Welcome to the epicenter of sports and entertainment. This, This is the Root Dog Show. Now, here's your host, Rudy Reyes. Uh, welcome to the Root Dog Show. This is Rudy Reyes. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whether you're on the West Coast, the East Coast, or, well, heck, if you're just spending time sitting in a chair on the coast and you're watching this on Facebook Live, live on Twitter, uh, live on today's California, as well as today's Canada, you're going to find this episode on the RootDogShow.com. And you know, make sure you tune in. Uh, throw me a follow on Twitter. Follow along as we're going to navigate this evening uh, for the AFC South. I know it's relatively been tumultuous for the Texans. Uh, we're we're going to go to that in just a minute, but I wanted to give everybody an understanding what the franchise tag looks like in regards to who signed on, who did not. And of course, there are always going to be holdouts regardless of where you're at in the NFL landscape. Chris Godwin, wide receiver, three years, 60 million. Cam Robinson, offensive lineman, three years at 54 million. Uh, Devontae Adams obviously went over to the Las, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, signed his five-year $141 million. If those Madden players out there want to know, he's obviously part of the 99 club, as you should be already aware of that. Uh, David Njoku, uh, tight end for the Browns, four years, $54 million. Orlando Browns, offensive lineman, uh, now still unsigned. Jesse Bates, also unsigned. I think the Bengals are really trying to work that out. I don't have as much information as I would like in regards to why they're waiting so long or what kind of package he is looking for in order to sign off on it and get into training cap, as we know, is just under two weeks away. Uh, Dalton Schultz, uh, earlier in season, uh, earlier this year in the offseason, tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, signed his tender. And Mike Isecki, uh, tight end, also signed his tender as well. So uh, some guys unsigned mostly have been signed. And more importantly, we're going to dive right into the Texans. If you're joining live, thank you so much for doing so. I certainly appreciate it. Love having everybody on. Again, the glasses are more uh, becoming a commodity uh, than actually not needing to have them on my face. So thank you so much for tuning in. And don't, don't mind the glasses. There's, a, there's no glitz and glamour over here, except for the fact that we're talking some AFC uh, South in regards to who's going up, who's going down. What does that look like? Uh, for these teams that have done relatively well in the NFL draft. And more importantly, when you look at the Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts, Houston, Texas, of course, the bottom feeding Jacksonville Jaguars and make no mistake. I don't think they're going to be bottom feeders for long. They're still stockpiling picks and they're going to make some moves. We're going to discuss that toward the end of the show, but I certainly want to give you guys an outline as to what that looked like. Last year, we seen the uh, the Houston Texans go through a relatively tumultuous time in regards to Deshaun Watson, the legalities, uh, the 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 accusations, uh, a lot of things swirling in regards to Deshaun Watson. Where does he go? Well, that was obviously answered as he moved over to Cleveland, bumping out uh, Baker Mayfield, who was a you know, a key cog in regards to what they did uh, during the the regular season, throwing with a torn labrum, didn't look great against the Steelers. Uh, and more, more importantly, where do the Texans go from here now that he is no longer available and they're going to have to figure out if David Mills is a guy moving forward or not. Uh, in round one, they had nine picks. Uh, Derek Stingley Jr., uh, the cornerback, 
uh, Kenny Green, uh, offensive lineman out of Texas A&M, uh, Jalen Petrie, uh, a defensive back out of uh, Baylor, which is actually really good to, to see Petrie get, get picked where he did in the positioning that he ended up getting picked at. Uh, more importantly, Christian Harris, linebacker out of Alabama. Of course, you know that Alabama uh, wide receiving core is always uh, filled with nothing but great talent. I think more importantly, uh, Alabama needs to to restock and retool. As you know, Saban knows how to do that better than anybody, especially in the SEC. Uh, when it comes to round three, uh, if you look at Christian Harris, linebacker out of Alabama, uh, a, a guy who's, who was a part of that, that fantastic linebacking core, and uh, more, more importantly, uh, again, one of those things where you're going to see uh, Nick Saban find a way to, to get things done. And it looks as though I do have some audio, uh, excuse me, some video issues. I guess it's probably better that I'm not on the screen, or at least I can't see myself on the screen. <laughs> I apologize about that. At least they have audio, if nothing else. Uh, but certainly uh, a lot of things to, to be desired in regards to where the Houston Texans are. Uh, but I, I know they grabbed Christian Harris, linebacker out of Alabama, Demian Pierce, running back out of Florida. They need to beef up that line. I think that was really important for them moving forward, especially with that you know a single back uh, set, maybe a dual back set for the Houston Texans going further into the regular season. Of course, I appear on camera and I have two less views. <laughs> I don't know if the glasses got to be glasses. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Damian Pierce running back from Florida uh, in round four, round five. We've seen Thomas Booker defensive tackle out of Stanford, big body guy. He can get on the inside uh, and he knows how to protect on the perimeter as well as Tegan uh, Kitoriano, uh tight end out of Oregon state. Of course, everybody that's the lovers of the, Pac-12, or is there a Pac-12 anymore? I'm not quite sure. Haven't had that discussion yet. We're not going to talk about that yet, but certainly forthcoming here within the week. So make sure you stay tuned for that. It's Rudy Reyes on Today's California. Uh, you're going to find this show on the com. And, you know, it's really important to note here that the Houston Texans were able to acquire a lot of these guys based on the Deshaun Watson pick, which was really good because they were able to circumvent for that and get a B rating, and, and at least in, in my view, and maybe even a B plus because of that uh, third round, uh, excuse me, that first round pick, first overall, Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, I was at the 2022 NFL draft. I've seen a lot of guys go, five defensive linemen straight up for the NFL. And I think more importantly is it shows the stock and value about defense winning championships, or do they? Do they? That remains to be seen. Uh, I, I do certainly like those picks. Austin Nicholas, a six-round pick, offensive lineman at LSU. You got to protect Davis Mills. Um, but you know, is this if th this team could have surpassed, uh, you know, the Texas of about a year ago? Uh, they found themselves in, in a paradigm between Watson, as I mentioned earlier, and part of that downfall of the organization, at least from the onset. But having nine picks certainly speaks to their credit and how Nick Casario was really able to gather momentum gather the picks, get the guys uh, that that maybe not the best available, but the best for what he's trying to accomplish, which is rebuilding a franchise. I think more importantly, um, the, they will almost put themselves in a purgatory of sorts. And it's really kind of interesting to know that first-round picks belong to them once in the first four drafts between 2018 
and 2021. So they haven't found themselves in great position as far as NFL draftees and the picks and what they're currently using. Uh, but, but more importantly, um, there were a lot of things that Bill O'Brien did that wasn't really, a you know, nobody was a fan favorite of Bill O'Brien, at least of me. I was certainly not that guy. Other people really questioned the duality of, of what he was able to bring. Uh, and unfortunately, he took more away than what he brought to the Houston Texans, which is the saddest part of all, I believe, because fans, you know, it really questions whether or not the fans are going to stay there within the uh, offseason. Are they going to stay around? Are they going to go and, you know, bat for the other team? Uh, essentially rooting for the Cowboys instead of rooting for their hometown, Texas. You know, I, I think it was more about what they're going to do moving forward. Of course, these the, the guys I just mentioned, you probably have a good five or six instant starters on that Texans line, offensive or defensive. Uh, and I think that with, you know, three days worth of selection certainly says a lot about what Nick Casario is trying to do with that Houston, Texas organization. But it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot more than that. It's going to take consistent winning. Of course, you know, winning cures all ails. When I say ails, I don't mean alcohol. I mean ails is in ill feelings, ill will. We know that, you know, the city of Houston, between the Houston Astros and baseball, and of course the home run derby's on tonight. You probably noticed I'm wearing my Pirates gear uh, because there is a Pirate playing in tomorrow's <laughs> All-Star game. Um, but when you when you look at Houston, it's not the best record. It's not the best situation. But I, I believe that when you look at the Texans, they're on the rise. They're going to gain some ground this upcoming season. They're going to answer a lot of questions uh, in regards to how many wins they're going to get. I don't know if they're going to get that many. They could end up at 500, maybe a game above 500. Uh, but I believe that when you look at the Texans, it's kind of a boomer bust. I mean, and we see that throughout the NFL. We see one-year one year tenders, two-year tenders, three-year guys. Uh, but one year is like a boomer bust for a lot of teams, and they'll they'll go to that level. They'll get to that that point where, you know, maybe we just need to spend one one year on one guy and then call it a day and be done with it in the following corresponding season. So I, I, I look at this and I think to myself, well, I don't know. I re it's really hard to tell whether or not you get Michi uh, as a part of the package uh, to start. Stingley obviously going to start. I think he's the, the shoe-in to start in this uh, Texans, um, Texans backfield. Uh, and overall, when you look at the 2019 campaign for him, uh, certainly you really have to ask yourself, is he going to maintain that form? Is he going to get back to what he looked like in 2019, especially with a Texas team that looks very porous in the secondary? I believe that when you look at this team, you look at the draft picks, you're going to have to get a lot more weapons surrounding him than Sean Watson trade off, sending him to Arizona was a bill O'Brien move. Probably the, the that, and that was the, the domino. That was the catalyst to help propel this Texans team into just purgatory rather. And I think to myself, you know, is this going to benefit Davis, you know, mills more than, uh, you know, having a first year starter, second year starter, maybe, I think when you have Michi, certainly answers the question in regards to the short game, the short slants on the outside, maybe even red zone opportunities, having him throw into Michi. It's really going to depend on chemistry, uh, whether or not these guys are going to be able to come up to the NFL level as far as play calling, the, the football IQ. I think that has a lot to do with uh, what the Texans really need 
but Michi coming off an ACL tear certainly questions whether or not he's going to start. Again, I think the Texans find themselves in a minus, plus minus 500 territory, maybe bouncing around 500. There's, there's certainly a, a lot of questions in regards to that. Um, I, I think that despite not getting the best guys available, I still believe that they made some pretty solid picks. Uh, it really is going to determine what this season's going to look like. And if they were going to analyze what that looks like at the end of the season and they look at it and recognize they need some more help, well, you know as well as I do, they will. And whether or not Davis Mills will be the starting quarterback moving forward, again, it's all about quarterback play. It's about reads. It's about checkdowns. It's a matter of getting him the right guys uh, to surround him to make him that much better of a quarterback, make him much more fluid, under center, recognize when he doesn't have to be a passer uh, or maybe even a runner for that matter. So a, a, lot of, a lot of work to do for Houston. Tennessee, on the other hand, there's a lot of questions in regards to, yes, never been a big Tannehill fan, even when he was with Miami. Not a fan with him now. He gave away the farm uh, last year. I mean, they had the chance at the number one seed in the first round by and blew it. And and, and I, I don't mean that from it was just on his shoulders. I mean, collectively. It was the, the running back by committee, which I certainly appreciate with Adrian Peterson uh, as part of the fill-in group. Uh, but one of the things that I did like about the nine picks the Tennessee Titans had is they went and acquired Traylon Burks who's a great wide receiver, who's tall, not DeAndre Hopkins-like, but from the standpoint of what he can bring from a fluid fluidity standpoint, off the snap, being able to get off of the line, create opportunities. You know, he's he's a relatively tall guy that can make other guys miss. So it's really going to depend on where Tannehill puts that ball, and if it's in Burke's hands, they're probably better off doing it that way. Uh, and, of course, on the other side of the ball, they, they beefed up a little bit by acquiring McCreary. I, I like him. He's a, he's a solid guy. Uh, he's certainly uh, been through a, a tumultuous season, uh, and but not overall. It's his senior season at Auburn was fantastic. Uh, and so they acquired him. And then rounds three, they picked up Petit uh, Freire, uh offensive tackle for, at Ohio State, of quarterback. Uh, that I thought could have went in the first round. I had him picked by another team, uh, and it would have been the Steelers, but they didn't pick him up. They went with Kenny Pickett instead, which is which is fine. They went to with a hometown kid, but I believe that when you look at raw quarterback talent and how much time it would have taken Malik to get up to par, I think it wouldn't have taken that long at all. I think Malik Willis was certainly a guy I was surprised. I was there in Las Vegas when he was picked. And I, it was just a serious head scratcher that the Steelers did not go for him, and they picked up Kenny Pickett instead, which is nothing wrong with Pickett. I just believe that when you pick a Pickett, you know, and you do a blindfolded, you know, yeah, he's a next door guy. It's a door across the way from where the Steelers are playing. It doesn't necessarily mean he's the best quarterback available. I believe Malik Willis was the best quarterback available, in my honest opinion. And I, I like the body of work. I like his humility. Uh, there's a lot of great things to like about Malik Willis. I can fill the show with that type of commentary, but I must move on. I digress. Uh, but Malik Willis is a guy that I certainly look out for, depending on, and again, it, it, it's about speed of the game. Can he catch up with that? Uh, what's his IQ like as far as the NFL IQ? And can he beat out Ryan Tannehill? Of course, there are always questions about Ryan Tannehill and whether or not he should circumvent his demeanor 
and you know for forego his um, machismo and help Malik Willis get to where I believe he needs to be. Now, historically, you look at other quarterbacks; they're not going to you know bait and, and hug and caress these backups because they're after their job. Well, if you don't do the job, you may not even have a job. And I think Malik Willis can certainly prove that in the regular season. But I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on being that Nostradamus like. Uh, because I'm not quite sure what that's actually going to look like. Uh, thank you, Francis. I appreciate it. Shout out. There you go. You get your shout out. Maria's there with the uh, con- consistency. Love it. Thank you, Maria. Appreciate it. Hello. Um, when you look at round four, Hassan Haskins, I really liked him out of Michigan. He's big bodied. He's got thick thighs. He's just a guy that's going to run through walls for you. I think that's a fantastic pick opposite of Derrick Henry, who led the league. Um, you know, it's just a lot of great things I like, but that wear and tear showed on him last season in regards to his longevity. He was running back by committee, as I stated earlier. Uh, but it's going to be a great one-two punch, and I, I foresee him possibly even starting as well a lot sooner than later, right behind Derrick Henry. Um, Chigosium Akonku. Tight end out of Maryland. He's he's a turb. He's a big-bodied guy. I like his handwork, especially in the red zone. Um, he's just uh, he he's he's a smart guy. He's a smart player, uh, and I, I'm I'm glad that he's in this system. Whether or not he'll be used efficiently remains to be seen. But I certainly like his play. I like his style. Uh, Kyle Phillips, wide receiver out of UCLA in the fifth round. I think he'll stick. They still need more wide receiving weapons for Ryan Tannehill or even Malik Willis at this juncture to get, have that deep ball threat. Uh, I, I think he'll stick. Whether he becomes a starter, well, that remains to be seen, but I do like his body of work while at UCLA. Theo Jackson, quarterback out of Tennessee. He's gritty. Uh, he's a he's a very strong guy, strong in the hands. Great football IQ. Chance Campbell, linebacker out of Ole Miss. He knows his reads. He knows. He's got a quarterback eye is what he has, meaning that, he knows how to get through. Uh, whether he's going to be that supreme pass rusher, that remains, uh, you know, the jury's out on that one. Uh, but I would like to see him get in the backfield more often. I think he'll be used a lot more frequently if, in fact, he does. Now, when you look at the offseason, A.J. Brown goes to the Eagles, which was a massive move. I didn't see that coming, but they needed to free up the room. They needed to free up that wide receiving core. Uh, and, of course, the Eagles didn't give up the farm to acquire him either. But more importantly, you have Malik Willis waiting in the wings. I think that you'll have some veteran leadership that will help him during the offseason, which is now, uh, again, less than two weeks to get into training camp. Certainly would be to his benefit to find someone uh, that's going to mentor him, give him the right um, the, the right advice, doing it for the right reasons. Could be a Michael Vick kind of uh, guy. Maybe, uh, maybe a McNabb could uh, give him some words of wisdom. Uh, maybe his his reads can do wonders uh, with guys like that help preparing him. A uh, great quarterback coach. You can never, ever underestimate a great quarterback coach, and I think uh, that can certainly be the case in Tennessee. Um, but there's, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of questions in regards to whether or not Ryan Tannehill is going to be that guy moving forward. Um, again, I'm not a fan of him. Uh, but I, but I do like that Haskins in a day three pick. I really think he's a solid, solid player. He's going to run through walls. He's going to just, he, he, he's, he's got great moves. He's got big thigh. He's just a big, 
solid player, and, and I like his play while in college. I just want to see him turn up in the NFL. As far as where the Titans go, you know, they, they have some great picks, and I, I gave them I gave them kind of an A minus B ish, only because I, I don't know that quarterback situation is going to be helpful to them in the regular season or hurtful to them in the regular season. And when do they make the change? If in fact, uh, Ryan Tannehill is not going to be that guy, is it going to be Malik Willis sooner? So a lot, a lot of questions. I'm not going to give the division or, you know, I just, I just can't see that. I just can't see Tennessee walking out of this without any, you know, any bumps or bruises or scratches, but there is one team that certainly, uh, has my entry and what they did in the offseason was absolutely nuts. That's the Indianapolis Colts. You know, they went and acquired Matt Ryan from an, an Atlanta Falcons team where I believe he certainly did everything he could while he was there and to the best of his ability with what he had to play with. Double-headed monster, you know, losing over 20 points in the second half of the Super Bowl. I don't necessarily believe that was all Matt Ryan's fault. There was a lot of blame to go around. Of course, the fingers start pointing out who, when, how, and why. But they, they did pretty good. They had eight picks. Uh, Alex Pierce, wide receiver at Cincinnati. Tall guy, very gifted physically. Jelani Woods, tight end out of Virginia. So you're giving not only protection with Bernard Raymond uh, out of Central Michigan, but you're giving him more wide receiving components that he's going to need in order to be that much more efficient and effective while in the pocket because we know Matt Ryan works from that standpoint. Nick Cross, safety out of Maryland on the other side of the ball, certainly someone that I liked. I thought he went went somewhere else. Eric Johnson, defensive tackle out of Missouri State. I like that pick uh, in round five. Ogletree out of Youngstown State. Not the biggest name on the block, uh, but certainly worth a six-round pick. Curtis Brooks, defensive tackle out of Cincinnati. I like that pick. Rodney Thomas. Uh, and since when do you know Yale's coming up with the best and the brightest? Well, they may be the brightest, but not the best. The defensive back and Rodney Thomas. Okay, well, they could have something there. Don't know if he makes a roster. Uh, could be a practice squad guy. Uh, the, the Colts did exactly what they needed to do, and that was get rid of Carson Wentz. I remember when he was so so well thought of on third down, especially from a third down efficiency standpoint, at yards over 30, he was well over 50 to 60%. So it made you wonder exactly who this Carson Wentz guy is and if he's going to be consistent enough and unfortunately not consistent enough and found himself moving over to the Washington Commanders, who, for all intents and purposes, doesn't look any different than the guy that he's replacing. Of course, that's why they acquired him. And more importantly, uh, when you look at the Colts, they just decided to go all out. And, you know, so they passed on Sky Moore. Not a gigantic deal. Uh, he ended up going to Kansas City, which is, which is fine. They, they need him after you get rid of the, get, get rid of the cheetah and Tyreek Hill. Um, I, I think he's got to be that, that, that number two wide receiver for Matt Ryan. And he could very well be and the starter moving forward. So I, I, I do like the Matt Ryan pickup. I do like their draft. I think they probably had a little, the better draft in the AFC South. Uh, and certainly a lot of questions remain if they can pull this all together. Um, but the only issue that I have is that they waited until this year to uh, – find out who's going to be their cornerback. And they didn't really answer that question either. Could be cornerback by committee. That I'm not sure of. But I certainly do know that they're going to be a lot better this season. And they addressed, you know, three other needs as a part of as a as a part of the draft. So 
I like it. I like the move. I like exactly where uh, the the. And if, if there was any team that's going to win the division, it would. It's going to be the Colts. It's it's just it's just going to be the Colts. And I'm when I say division, I mean the AFC South. They're certainly on on the cusp of whether or not they can pull it together, and it not just looks good on paper. That is something that I want to see. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars. Ah, man, this is this is tough. They got a long way to go. Urban Meyer did them no favors whatsoever by kicking the kicker. Why he would kick a kicker is beyond me, uh, but found himself uh, with Omar Khan saying, you know what, this is good. I'm done. I'm done watching. I'm done dealing with this absolute nonsense and uh, a, a charade of a coach that Urban Meyer actually is. Uh, he'll never see the ranks of an NCAA football team. He'll never see ranks of a head coach in the NFL and nor will he'll probably ever get an opportunity to play uh, as a head coach. And I say play because he never was a really good head coach to begin with in the NFL, as we clearly know. In the CFL, um, Jacksonville Jaguars had seven picks. I like what they did with them. But again, there's so much rebuilding on this. It's kind of hard to know where to start, to be honest with you. I would start with the protection um, for their for their quarterback. Um, you know, it was supposed to be this big, tall, you know, um, athletic guy, which Trevor Lawrence is, but without the help up front, that's really, really difficult. Yeah, they got him a better center, but that's not the only point of contact that, you know, opposing defense is going to, you know, pass after. They're going to be, you know, your tackles and your guards. Uh, Trayvon Walker, defensive end out of Georgia, which is fine. Uh, linebacker to Utah and Devin Lloyd, solid pick, 27th overall. Luke Fordner, uh, that that Kentucky center is is very, very good. I look for him to probably be um, maybe a day starter. We'll have to see. But again, it takes more weapons than just the center to prevent uh, uh, any sacks on Trevor Lawrence. Chad Muma, linebacker out of Wyoming. Okay, that's a solid move. I love that move. But why a linebacker? Why not get him better protection? This can't be an offensive line in patchwork. And it can't be an offensive line uh, that's going to crumble un- under pressure. And unfortunately, that's been the case, especially in the, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they went ahead and snapped uh, up a guy and then and Snoop Connor running back at an old miss. Um, again, a big guy, uh, solid, has great swim moves. I like his athleticism. Solid pick. Um, uh, Gregory Jr., a quarterback at a Wachita Baptist, uh, Monteric Brown at Arkansas defense. I like it. It's great and everything. Again, it's all great on paper. But if you're going to get a pass rusher, they had the ability to grab Kevon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson. They did neither one. So it's kind of a head scratcher in regards to what they're going to do, how they're going to do it. Why did they go after one of these guys? I don't know. I would have I would have nabbed either one of them, to be quite honest with you. And when I was there at the NFL draft interviewing them, either one of those guys would have been great in the system. Unfortunately, they just did not go that way. Instead, they you know assigned Foy Alukum to a three-year $45 million deal, spreading money out where it didn't need to be spread to, you know, uh in, in, in round three, they could have they could have traded back. They they could have drafted back. They could have said, you know what, this is not where we're at, this is not the direction we want to take this. We need to get more offensive weaponry. Uh, they lost Miles Jack to Pittsburgh, uh, and they just needed to really beef up um, that offensive line. Uh, you can go defense, and that's great. Pac-12 Player of the Year in Lloyd, uh, and, and Muma's obviously solid for for the Cowboys. Now moving over to the NFL, 
I just don't know that you're picking a starting center um, that's going to be the the centerpiece of that offensive line for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, I don't know. Connor could be a short yardage guy. That remains to be seen. I'd like to see maybe some some red zone activity. Uh, again, Doug Doug Pedersen knows exactly what he's doing. The problem is, is that it's not his money. And the fact they didn't do anything on the offensive line means that, that Trevor Lawrence is going to have to deal with some holes that he's going to have to be able to escape from in order to make completions downfield. I don't know that that's going to happen, and I don't know if that's going to be happening on, on a large scale uh, and more frequently for Jacksonville. Uh, but this has been Rudy Reyes on the Rude Dog Show. I've given you the AFC South. What are your takeaways? What are your thoughts? Give me some, uh, give me some of your opinions. Your comments, uh, go to therudogshow.com where this will be posted. Tell me a follow on Twitter at RudeDogReyes. Find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Jeez, uh, I think I may have a MySpace page running around here somewhere. I don't know. But, hey, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it. This is Rudy Reyes on the Rude Dog Show. Everybody have a great evening. Thanks for tuning in.